Hey everybody, this is Talking Truth. I am uh, Dan Whitney. A lot of people know me as uh, Larry the Cable Guy, Mater from Cars, but now I am Dan Whitney. And uh, Talking Truth, great podcast. We hope you're getting a lot out of it. I sit uh, here with Brian Clark right across from me, the uh, visual timekeeper. He would be the drummer if he was if he had a band. And my wife Kara is our guest Hello. on on uh, these episodes. We're discussing Brian's book. An award-winning book, a USA Today top seller, God's Not Like That. And the topic today is God Like My Dad. And let me tell you something. Everybody was raised somewhere by someone, and that's how you learn about God. Now, the question is, what did you learn about God? So Brian's going to talk about this in his book, God's Not Like That. And uh, here we are with Talking Truth. Kara and I will join in at the end. Brian will ask us a couple of questions and I hope you guys get something out of it. I get a lot out of it. I know Kara does. And uh, and we're talking truthfully. So here we go. Brian, take it away. All right. In April of 1992, Chris McCandless entered the Alaskan wilderness and survived over 100 days before he died in an old school bus. John Krakauer captured the story in his book, Into the Wild. It was later made into a movie by Sean Penn. After the book and movie came out, many people were quick to judge Chris. They identified him as a spoiled rich kid who broke his dear parents' heart. But after 20 years of this, Chris's sister, Corinne, decided to set the record straight in her book, The Wild Truth. In her book, she chronicles the physical violence and the emotional and verbal abuse that defined their home. Chris fled to the Alaskan wilderness to escape, to find peace, to try to sort out his life. In her book, she tells of one incident on Easter Sunday. She was nine and Chris was 12. They woke up to their parents engaged in a violent altercation downstairs. They dressed and snuck out of the house and walked to church. Corinne said she remembered sitting and listening to the preacher describe God that morning, and she wondered to herself, is God like the preacher is saying, or is he like my dad? That's a very perceptive and very important question. Is God like that? Children observe their parents' marriage and learn about God indirectly. We discussed that in the last episode. But their experience with their parents, it's direct and it's personal. God's ideal is for children to be raised by a mom and dad who love each other and love their children. This is the ideal, and when it is done correctly, it teaches kids wonderful things about God. But often our stories are far from ideal. Sometimes they're just a dysfunctional mess. Maybe your dad was demanding or had a quick temper or uninvolved. Maybe good enough was never good enough, or your dad was unfaithful to your mom, or maybe he just wasn't around at all. Maybe your dad pretended to be some great Christian at church but was angry and abusive at home. You might be surprised how much of that experience with your dad you've projected onto God. But what if God's not like that? And what about your mom? Moms are supposed to represent the nurturing presence of God at home. Was your mom a place of refuge? Was she safe? Was she there for you when life got really hard? 
Was she warm and caring or crabby and controlling? I mean, if God was like your mom, what would he be like? Has God become a safe place or a place of refuge for you in hard times? Or do you view God as kind of crabby and controlling? Is God like your mom? What is he like? Let me say again, everyone was raised somewhere by someone. Because of how God designed the family to work, that environment shaped your view of God. I'm not saying you might have learned something about God at home. I'm saying you did learn something about God at home. The question is, what did you learn? The challenge is that these beliefs about God get buried deep in our subconscious minds. We often don't even realize how much of our life at home we've projected onto God. We struggle to trust God, but we really don't know why. Often it's because we believe things about God that simply aren't true. As long as your view of God is messed up, you're going to struggle. I think many Christians, if they were to be honest, would say their Christian life has not been what they hoped it would be. They have not really found the abundant life that Jesus offers. They struggle, but they don't know why. Often it's because they believe things about God that aren't true. I believe more people formulate their view of God based on the circumstances of life than on the pages of the Bible. Usually that's a recipe for trouble. Maybe you came from a warm, loving home, or maybe you came from a dysfunctional, abusive home. Maybe your parents were Christians, or maybe they were totally secular. Maybe you came from a single-parent home, or you were in and out of foster homes. Maybe there were things you loved about your family growing up, but also some things that were hurtful or frustrating to you. Whatever the case, that environment taught you more about God than you realize. What if you struggle because your beliefs about God are messed up? I mean, what if God's not like that? What if you're avoiding God because you believe things about God that just simply aren't true? What if he really is everything that your soul longs for? The abundant life Jesus promised is available to you, but to experience that, you must have a right view of God. You need to know the truth, for it's the truth that will set you free. Let's bring in Dan and Karen to talk about this. So I know from previous conversations that three of us come from very different family stories. So it's complicated, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it is complicated, but, you know, we're all following Jesus, and we have all that in common, and that's, I think, the best thing to have in common. Yeah. Right? You're right about that. Yeah. So do you think, um, I, I mean, I pretty much know the answer to it, but the the enemy spends a lot of time attacking families, and it's because our families teach us about God, right? Yeah, I think that's exactly right. Their family is in the crosshairs of the enemy because I think he knows if he makes a mess of the family, then he makes a mess of our view of God. And I think just looking at our culture, it's interesting as as the family has become more and more fractured and dysfunctional, the cultures become more and more secular. And I don't really think that's a 
coincidence. The more right. our view of God gets messed up, the more people pull away and drift away from God. You know, I notice as people get older and they start reflecting back on their parenting, um, I know my, my own parents um, have regretted some things they did or maybe wanting to do things different. And I mean, we're not even out of it yet. We're, we're in the teenager stage right now, and I can look back, and I wish I would have done some, some things differently with my kids. So if we know we've messed up, um, how can we make turn that mess into make it better? Yeah, so it's a great question. I think all of us as parents, about the time your kids walk out the door, feel like you've learned something. And if you had to do over again, there, we all have things we'd do differently. Right. Uh, you really don't get a practice round. That's I think that's part of the frustration of it. I think that each parent does things different just so the way they were raised. Like Kara's parenting is a little different than mine because I don't want to repeat the mistakes that my father made to me. And I don't think she wants to repeat mistakes that her mom or her dad did for her. Yeah. So we both kind of, she raises them kind of like that. That's why she's generally the more hard one I'm the softer one because I had I was my dad was very hard on me yeah um so I think Karen and I work pretty good together like that because we're both bringing our experiences of when we were growing up Uh, you know to have what's your right view of God like people like you said um to know the truth and what is the right view of God. The only way to know the right view of God is just like anything. How would I know somebody that's standing over there? You get to know them. That's the only way to get the right view of God is to spend time with him and get to know him. And he's written an entire book that explains who he is and how we can get to know him. And that's the only way that you're not going to really completely know God just by going to church on Sunday and that's it. You have to spend time with him. Well, yeah, you've that, said that, Brian, before. Um, I think one of your sermons in, in this always resonated with me, but if you had one hour a week to spend with your wife, you were, really wouldn't know her at all. Yeah. And so that's yeah. why being intentional about spending time with God on a daily basis. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and like Dan said, you have to get into the Word. I mean, that is God's self-revelation. That's God describing himself. And that's where you're going to start to realize there's things I believe about God that aren't true. You'll start to have some sort of a reaction or some sort of emotional response to things you read in the Word or sometimes even to, like, lyrics of songs. So the song says God is good all the time, and there's mm-hmm. something deep in your gut that says, I know I don't know that I believe that. And yet you start sorting through what is my view of God, but the— the source has to go back to the scripture. That, Absolutely, that's the only thing we know is reliable. Because if you if you know if if you read about God and you want to spend time with Him, and the more and more you do that, the more and more you get to know Him, you'll understand why certain attacks come. You'll understand why attacks come on your kids and attacks come on you. Because Satan doesn't love the he doesn't want the family. He wants a separated family. He wants chaos. And I mean. Uh, so you learn those things. You you put it like I always like to say. You put on your your God goggles, and the more that you put on your God goggles and focus them in, you can start seeing things more clearly. Yeah. Well, the truth oh. is the truth, and you know the 
unfortunately. Um, and, and this is what's interesting about like the social media and, and computers and things like that. I mean, they're, they're at your kids constantly. They have your kids all the time. But I will say, um, I did not grow up in a Christian home and I was curious about who Jesus was. I was discipled by electronics. Uh, by the grace of God, I was discipled on electronics uh, by things people were putting out uh, like Frank Turek and J. Warner Wallace and these guys who had actual true gospel message and not some wacky stuff. But um, So it's out there, but the world's voice is so loud. And so as parents, that's one thing I, I had to understand is that I had to be louder than, than the world. Mm. So, And if you're telling your kids what's true and they look at you like you're crazy— um, but th- when it comes to the truth, it's solid. And what the world tells them, they might try that or go down that path for a while, but it's not going to pan out for them. And they're always going to come back to realizing that, wait a minute, how this is being sold to me, it doesn't, it doesn't work. Yeah, right? the truth is still true 100 years from now. Right. Uh, the trends of the culture come and go. Yeah. Usually they bottom out people's lives and then we go on to something else. But You hope your kids don't hit that bottom yeah. level. Oh, for sure. But if they can see uh, the world for what it is and what a life looks like without Christ in it, without that guidance. Uh, and, and I would say I think that happened with our son. He went through some times and he just thought he knew and the world was pulling at him, but then he really started to see the lives of these people and what it looked like um, when their parents weren't parenting with Christ in the center of it all. And he was like, this is not what I want at all. It's too chaotic. Yeah. You know, at the yeah. end of the day, we might feel as Christians like there's chaos going on around us, but at least we can cling to something solid. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And these kids couldn't. So I, w- I want to go back to the the question you asked earlier, like what what should parents do? Like your kids are grown, and you you look back and you realize you messed up in some areas. Um, a couple of things to think about. So one of the things I talk about over and over again in the book is the point of this is not to blame your parents. It's not about finger pointing. And one of the ways that we can measure if we've formulated a correct view of God is a right view of God should result in forgiveness, kindness, compassion, and grace. So if I'm still just angry and bitter, all that reflects is I still have a messed up view of God. So the more correct the view of God, the more there should begin to bring about healing in those relationships. So if I'm a parent and I'm looking back and I messed up, I think the best thing to do is to sit down and talk with your kids and just be honest Right. that I, I messed up and here's the areas where I messed up and I think that may have been hurtful. And I think uh, parents might be surprised how much healing that brings to their kids and those relationships can be improved and even restored and reconciled. But, but it's like if that's what you see, then talk to them. Go back. It's never too late yeah. to go back and make that right. Yeah, absolutely. And get to know who God is. Read the Bible, read the scriptures. He tells you, he tells you all about him and spend time with him. The more you spend time, the more you're going to start to understand some things about him. So in closing, 
what is the most practical thing someone can do so they can start to develop a more accurate view of God? So one of the things is, uh, sounds rather self-promoting, but the purpose of the book is to walk through this journey, reflecting on your family of origin, begin to identify areas where you may be off and need to bring some correction. Uh, But I think ultimately it's time in the scripture, it's time in the word of God. So find people you trust that can help you learn what the Bible has to say, but that has to be the source. That ultimately has to be uh, what defines the character of God. There's a lot of good books like A.W. Tozer's The Knowledge of the Holy Mm -hmm. uh, that can help describe and define God. But there's no substitute for rolling up your sleeves, doing the hard work, yeah. and doing the due diligence. Right. You know, you, if you really want to pass on a right view of God, you have to have a right view. Yeah. And and that's going to take work. It's you it's have to not really easy. want it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. And the another thing here that we've learned is stay out of the Alaskan wilderness. Um. That's not good. So if you want to survive more than 100 days, stay out of the Alaskan wilderness. Or take a map if you actually watch mm-hmm. the movies. Or stay out of Walmart. Take a picnic basket. Yeah, take, take a map. Stay out of Walmart on Black Friday. 100 days is pretty impressive, though. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. I couldn't survive 100 days in the past year down the road. Hi, this is Kara Whitney, and I'm super excited to be part of this podcast. This season's series is based on Brian's book, God's Not Like That. Now, this book has been out for a few months, and it's already a bestseller, so that should tell you something. I know I've got a copy, and if you'd like one too, just visit TalkinTruth.com. That's talk with the letter N, truth.com. That's all for now, so be sure to subscribe and don't miss one single episode. Get it done.